Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Return to the Realm, a rereader's podcast for the Realm of the Elderling series by Robin Hobb. Uh, I'm Caillou, here with Alex and Leah, and today we're going to be doing chapters 10 through 14 of Royal Assassin. But again, as a reminder, this is a rereader's podcast, so we're going to be talking about uh, any and all of the 16 books in the Realm of the Elderling series. So if you've stumbled on this video just because you've read Royal Assassin, cool, we love that for you, but keep reading the rest of the series and then come back and watch this. Um, yeah. And I don't think we have anything specific to announce or whatever, so we can just hop into the first chapter, um, which is... Oh, I should actually pull up the document on our phone. Uh, is Fool's Errand. Mm -hmm. Sure, 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 sure. Man, that was a that was a banger name. I, I like I gotta reuse that at some point. Mm -hmm. I almost wonder if like she originally planned to name the last book in this in this trilogy, Fool's Errand, because the errand that the chapter is referring to is going to find uh, the elderlings in the mountains. So it makes sense for the last book to be. Because that's because I mean I guess Assassin's Quest is also referring to that. But that is like essentially the central event of the last book. So yeah, mm -hmm. I wonder if she did that, and then the publishers were like, "No, we want Assassin in all of the names." Sorry, yeah, need a true line there. Even though, like, yeah, like. Uh, I think there's a line later where it's like Verity is like um, the most like remarkable thing about your fighting style is how you like incredibly managed to like stay alive while doing it. And like that's that's like the most fits thing ever. He's just like he's not an assassin. He's just like, oh, God, I'm, I'm here. I'm fighting. I'm fully here, I guess. Yeah. Uh. Um. Oh yeah, one thing in the intro chapter, they're talking about like how the skill faded. Um, and it mentions like, yeah, in times of peace, the skill was like kind of like kept closer to the monarchy to prevent people from turning the use of the skill against them. But I'm like, why, why is that something you have to worry about in a time of peace? Isn't it like in wartime where you'd have to worry about like internal struggles and treachery uh, when there's like elderly chaos? I feel like Every time I read more about, like, the skill fading, I'm just like, King Bounty is a motherfucker. King Bounty did some, like, paranoid stupid shit, and it, like, hurt the Farseer line for, like, forever. Yeah, because like, because they make a point to like, Fitz, Fitz just dismisses him, and it's just like, yeah, he was, he was, he's just there. And then when we later on have like our first encounter with the Will later on, it's like, oh yeah, no, Fitz is once again an unreliable narrator, and Will is much more of a threat than his like previous introductions would uh, make you think. Lead us to believe. Start. Uh, the chapter we have another uh, moment of Fitz being like, "I'm not bonding. I'm not bonding," 
with like night eyes. <laughs> he's such a liar. He's he's such a liar. Did I found there was a line here that I found interesting where um he's like, it was as the wolf said. It it was not a thing I did, but something I was. Um and I found that kind of interesting because like um I don't think this is like a universal thing, but I think specifically in how like the wit is like discussed or like treated by Birch and like how it's like framed there, it feels like you could read it as like sort of like a queer allegory in terms of like the bigotry and like or like the prejudice that like Burridge expresses. Um and so the way that like this line like struck me because I was like, it feels kind of like an inversion of like the hate the sin and hate the sin and not the sinner like type lines. Um where, which is like, because I've always felt like that, like you could read the wit as like a queer allegory in like some cases. And so like this line just like caught my eye because of that. And so I was like, huh, okay, interesting. And it could show like how Fitz has like internalized the prejudice against the wit. Cause like, that's what Burge says. Like, he's just like, yeah, you know, I like, I just like, I don't like use it. It's just like a thing that happens sometimes. So. Yeah, Fitz is accepting that it's part of him and he can't change it about himself. Mm-hmm. But he's like, I'm still not doing it. I'm still not, I'm not like actively using it. It's just, it's just me, but like... He's still uh, in denial. Um, and then next up, the next part of the chapter is uh, Whistle, who... I think this is the first introduction of this character. Um who is a former member of Verity's uh, personal guard, ends up forming a queen's guard to protect uh, and serve the queen after the whole uh, outing with the, with the forged ones last time. Um, and yeah, this section, like, uh, like, beyond the obvious, like, it's interesting and cool to see the people of uh, the Six Duchies, like, take uh Ketrickin as their own even more so than their actual actual like like born monarch um is it feels like another example of like the farseers doing jack shit and so the people have to like take up take take up their arms and like figure out a solution for themselves and also it's i think the first time like we've seen lots of people like kind of have a reaction to fits when he's like doing his chivalry bit, this is the first time that's actually coming up as like someone taking action and not just like acting or not just like appearing differently to Fitz or like not just perceiving Fitz differently. Um, which I think is interesting. I love like on a reread, like the gradual buildup of like Fitz's chivalry 2.0 and how that has like political implications it is like it's super cool how like there's that gradual buildup, like. Because when I first read this, I was like, just like, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, weird. Like, I guess this is just his new role now. And this is just, like, how it is with adulthood. But it's, like, it's this really, like, slow downward spiral. And Fitz is just like, oh, no, that sucks. But he doesn't actually do, like, much to mitigate it. And that ends up being his downfall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think later on in this chapter, Verity is like, blood will tell. And it's like, yeah. The- or like, and you could also connect it to the earlier line where it's like, yeah, he, it's just something he was, even if it's not something that he actively tries to do. He, he's, a, he's a prince. It's such a nature versus nurture thing, too, because he never knew chivalry. And yet, 
He's just mm. naturally so much like him that, like, people in the keep respond to him almost as if he was chivalry. And he wasn't even brought up to be a prince. Like, he doesn't have the formal training of how to be charismatic and how to talk and command respect like his father or his uncle was. So he kind of just, it comes so naturally to him, which it might not have to, well, it definitely didn't to Verity. And I'm sure that that chivalry had a knack for it. And then it just got kind of honed with his like formal royal training. Yeah, it's just like, because once again, like living with the guardsmen and, and like the salt of the earth people and like growing up in Buckkeep Town, like just gives him like such a cool perspective. He like, and we would just also add later on, like when he says, like, these are my people, I think it like means a lot more than it does for like Verity or Shrewd to say that. Well, I guess they both have the skill and so they can like, that's their form of empathy. But like, I think that. It's on, it's on, like, a different level for Fitz. Yeah. Yeah, it's more real for Fitz, because Fitz is in love with Molly, who was, like, at a raid, actively. hmm And, like, his friend that was forged was killed. And mm-hmm. he's, like, fighting forged ones out in the forest and stuff. So it's more tangible. It's not just him skill-walking and seeing things happen. It's him knowing people that are in the midst of it or being in the midst of it himself. Yeah, he's present for some of the scariest moments. Right. Yeah, and I always I always find it funny when like Fitz is like, oh, I have, like later on in the she's like, I have no one in the world. Oh, I'm so lonely. And then meanwhile in the background, Sarah the cook or like whoever is just like, Hey Fitz, how's it going? Would you like some pastries? <laughs> and it's just like it's like so alone. When, I like, have no one who loves your parents, me. Like, he has a when like we see Muggle and like three dads and a wolf, <laughs> yeah, and a girlfriend, or a wife. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like okay, Fitz, cry baby. Yeah, and it's just like the entire the entire the entire keep loves him and has a high opinion of him, other other than Regal. So it's just like. To, But I guess, uh, speaking of people who uh, love Fitz, the next section is kind of like the titular uh, thing of this chapter, where the fool accosts Fitz and is like, hey, don't you think it's weird that there aren't that many skill uh, skill users still around? Uh, why is nobody looking for an elderling? And like, in his usual way, Fitz is very dense, but I think we can excuse it in this case because this is such like a leap of logic. Um, but yeah, the 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 fool tries to like lay it out in several ways to Fitz. Like, hey, you're gonna need to go find elderlings. You're gonna need to use your magics. Um, I think you had a breakdown, right, Alex? Of like yeah. the whole song that the fool sings to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are like th- I think so, there are three main verses, and the first one is mostly about the skill and like the fool's trying to tell Fitz why would you try and stop skilling and when you need to be getting stronger in it because your enemies are stronger in the skill and all that stuff then the second verse is kind of about being witted because the last line 
says something about being like chopped up and hung. And then the last verse verse is a merging of the two subjects that were in the first and second verse, which is kind of using both of the skills or all of the skills that he has, the skill and the wit to help the six duchies and like the royal family survive this very tumultuous time. It's funny hindsight it's so obvious what it means and what like needs to get done but I remember on my first read I was like what is he talking about why can't he just tell Fitz what to do I know I was yeah you can really empathize with this where it's like what what the fuck are you talking about yeah (laughs) yeah just speak plainly it's it's like it's it's like such an like a non sequitur where it's like Fitz has all this stuff on his mind and then the the fool is like, by the way, skill users, elderlings? And Fitz is like, How how does this relate? How is this important? What are you talking about? And it's like on one hand, like what the fool says about like, yo, I'm talking in riddles and stuff to like make you like think about this on your own and process it and actually remember it makes sense. But also like Fitz is so stupid and you should know this. Just like tell it to him straight up. Yeah. Like, do the thing you did with the poison, where it's like, you're going to get poisoned. Like, the the, only like you're going to need to find the elderlings. The only reason that the fool was even blunt with him to begin with was because he was mad. Like, yeah. I think he likes to be all secretive and aloof and make Fitz think about him more than he maybe needs to. I, I think in Tawny Man, uh, the fool mentions, like, at that time I was basically a teenager, and so I was doing stupid teenager things. <laughs> and, like, reading it, reading it through that lens, like, definitely, it, it makes a lot of sense, where it's just kind of, like, that capriciousness, both of, like, fool, the fool's own character, but also just, like, that age. Definitely. So. One thing I loved about the second is the way the fool just like starts coming in and like walking next to Fitz and just starting in the middle of a conversation and just finishing like the conversation begins in the middle, but it is a connection to like whatever Fitz was thinking about. And like, I just love that the fool can do that and just knows exactly what to say, even though he can't obviously read Fitz's mind. He just knows what's on his mind. Like, the the place where it's, like, uh, stuck out to me most was in the first book, where it's thing like, what should I name my dog? And then the, the, and then the fool is just like, yeah, why don't you name him Smithy? And it's just like, how did, huh? I feel like even before, like, the, this, their skill touch link, there, I feel like there's something going on. Like, there's some, like, cack, it, it, it could also just be that the fool is hella perceptive and, and fits as very obvious. I could definitely believe that. But I also, like, feel like there's something. It could also be that, like, maybe Robin Hobb, like, didn't quite know what the role of the Fool was going to be beyond this trilogy. And so it was just like, let's make them as mysterious as possible. And so this is a really mysterious thing to do, like, finishing your sentence. Well, I think also, like, there has to be some special connection between, like, the White Prophet and their catalyst that helps them become so in tune. Like, I think even without, if they didn't have that skill bond, they would still be very in tune with each other, or at least 
The Fool would be very in tune with Fitz just because I think The Fool needs to in order to help like exact the change that they need that they see in the world or that they see coming about from like using Fitz the way they need to. Mm -hmm. I think it's a combination of the fool having like a general sense of what's going to happen or or snippets of moments and then also Fitz just being super obvious about everything. Because he thinks he's so sly but Verity like insinuates in this section that he pretty much knows Fitz is witted or he at least has like an inkling and Fitz's mind is blown and like everyone knows about Molly even though he thinks he's been like so secretive about it he's just I get the sense that he's not a difficult person to read in any regard for sure he's it's all it's so interesting because I say this every time but like I think that like he's a character whose like entire like thing is like just rooted in candidness and the whole world tries to like shape him away from that candidness into a very secretive person and it's like this really like sad like kind of like shaping of someone who in a way that is like so antithetical to who they are mm-hmm. um what are they gonna say yeah and it's like compared to chivalry it feels like it feels like that like candidness comes from chivalry Except I, I suspect, like, Chivalry is probably a little bit more aware slash smarter about, like, what's going on. I think he knew when to hold his tongue. Like, maybe he didn't outright lie about things, but he definitely knew when to not just blurt out everything that was on his mind, unlike Fitz. Yeah, he, like, probably uh. knew about Fitz and kept it a secret for six years. And Fitz knows about Nettle for all of two seconds before he's blurting it out to Starling. So, oh yeah, uh, getting back to the Fool's song, just real quick, a line that I never noticed before but I picked out here is, there's a future not yet fashioned, founded by your fiery passions. Which, like, I think, even on previous reread, I just thought that this was kind of just, just like, yeah, you, you go be the hero, change the future. Then I realized that, like, fiery passions could like be referring to like essentially like having a child and in which case this could refer to both nettle as like the next farseer hair 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 i don't know pronounce it and or dutiful so just like the idea that like because the fool like really hammers it that as long as there's a farseer farseer uh heir to the throne um the future is bright and so the thing is like yeah it feels like that's what's being referred to here that like the by creating a farcier error, Fitz like opens up new possibilities as well. Well, I think it could refer to both Dutiful and Nettle because they both play such a huge role in like shaping the world. Like Nettle becomes a skill master and she kind of revives the skill and follows in like Fitz's footsteps with like being super strong but then he oh, goes yeah, above sure. and beyond and is like i'm gonna train all of these people i'm gonna like do all this research and bring it back to so that we never get it lost again mm-hmm. she is also like a pivotal part of their 
ability to free ice fire and survive like the battle with the pale woman because if it weren't for her like giving the message to burich and burich like running off then that dragon that the pale woman created might have killed them all like burich pretty much takes it down and um swift with that arrow so it's like without nettle's ability to communicate with tintaglia and kind of creating this chain of events they might have just all died and failed so even when fitz isn't acting as a catalyst himself the heirs that he created do mm-hmm. so it's i mean it's kind of like an extension of him because they're his like they wouldn't exist without him Mm-hmm. I mean, we could also extend that to B, but yeah. Like, yeah, that's a whole different level. It's a whole nother can of worms. Um. Oh yeah, uh, the fool when when like he's giving uh, his riddle about the elderlings, where he's like, "Well, what is it that has scales and verities?" Blah 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 blah. Um. He mentions like Reltown, or like Reltown vellums. Does anyone like? Do they mention Reltown elsewhere, or is it just kind of like a one-off? Like, hey, Reltown is a place. I don't remember it anywhere, but I also could have just skimmed past it, not thinking that it was important if it's mentioned in passing in like further books. I feel like there was another location that we had like a similar thing about last book. But I don't remember if it was the same one or a different random place. I think it was a different one, but I can't remember what it was. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and I think the last section of this chapter is uh, Fitz goes to see Ketrickin, um, who previously has been said to be distraught over... Uh, after her return from uh, the whole hunt, um, and has kind of just been in her rooms. And but surprisingly, when Fitz goes to see her, uh, she's very centered and like meditative. And she says that she has co- come back to herself. She's like, in the sense of like, she's she's stopped trying to very hard to like be someone she isn't, and has like refocused on her values. Um, which I I love this whole like section and also like the description that Fitz gives of her centeredness, even before the wit comes in. It's just like that it's very, very, very relatable to have that kind of thing where it's like a person who is like so sure of themselves that like it seems like they can the whole like environment around them or just like the way that they're like they move in their environment seems to like change it around them. I think this also the way that Ketrikin kind of just opens herself up to the world reminds me of Verity saying, like, being open to skilling is just, like, not being closed off. And that's kind of how Ketrikin is with the world. She's just not closing herself off. She's just allowing everything to come in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't remember who says it. I think one of you like noted later that like uh fits like 
is super bad at like yeah, you know, or like he's he's super good at just like being open to the skill and the wit, but like he put he ends up putting up so many walls that make it hard for him to engage in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a quote here that I really loved, like our ambitions and tasks that we set for ourselves, the framework we attempt to impose upon the world is no more than a shadow of a tree cast across the snow. It will change as the sun moves, be swallowed in the night, sway with the wind, and when the smooth snow vanishes, it will light distorted upon the uneven earth. But the tree continues to be. Do you understand that? You would if you stopped trying to understand it, if you gave up worrying about why this is important to me, and simply tried to see it as an idea that has worth in your own life. And I feel like the first part is Ketrickin at her most, like, fool-like, talking about, like, thinking about stuff on, like, the macro level, time-wise. Um, and this whole section is, like, Ketrickin at, like, her Wolfius, where she's like, yeah, you know, we just, we live in the moment and we are what we are. Um, which, again, no surprise that she ends up being, like, so open to the wit as a result. I just wish that Fitz could have, like, somehow sneakily told her that she's witted because it would have been so nice to see her like bond with an animal and have that kind of companionship. But I mean, like we all understand why he didn't do it, but still it would have been nice if he did. Or if like later on when the wit is a little bit more accepted, if he told her and then she could find somebody. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised she never does that. Cause she kind of figures it out herself. And she can, like, communicate with night eyes. And then, like, she thinks that Dutiful gets it from her. So she knows. But she, like, chooses never to bond. I wonder if she thinks that she shouldn't or can't until there's, like, no more whip persecution. Because she's sacrifice. Probably. Mm-hmm. There was a part... Yeah, I'm on it. I'm... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, okay. I was just gonna say say that like I almost feel like Ketrigan is not someone who would like feel the need to seek out a wit bond. She she's just kinda like she's just like has like a good connection, such understanding of all of the people already in her life. I feel like instead of like going out and seeking a wit bond, she would just like there'd probably be like some random animal that like is like, you seem like a cool centered person and she'd be like, Yeah, cool. I am. Let's bond. Yeah. It would be like that. Like, like she would have to be approached about it. She does get mad at Fitz though later on. I think in the next trilogy, or maybe even the last one, where she's like, "Why didn't you tell me that I was witted? Like, I wasted so much time. I could have had a little wit bond partner now, but I can't because I'm too old or something." Oh, I don't remember that, which makes me think it's last trilogy stuff. It might be, but she does get upset with him that he didn't tell her. So I wonder if she would have gone out. She would. I don't think she would have gone in like in search of it, just to find like someone to be bonded to. But I think that she would be more open and kind of aware of her connections to animals to see if one of them could have been her like wit partner. There was a part in here that I noted because, um, Alex, I know you've mentioned a couple times or we've talked a couple times about Molly being witted, possibly. Um, and there was, like, another little clue in this part 
that made me think she probably is, because when Fitz tries to, like, open himself up to the world, like, Ketrigan is, there's a couple lines where, like, people around him are reacting to it, like, people that we know are witted, like, Burrich, and then Ketrigan, and even Sooty, and it mentions that Molly shrugged away and shook shook out her hair. Yeah, she's definitely aware of something happening around her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels like she has like the same level of, of wit, wit awareness as like Ketrigan. Right. Whereas mm-hmm. it's not strong enough to be like overt and obvious like Burrich or Fitz, but it's mm-hmm. enough that they could probably tap into it. Yeah, just like being more in tune with the web of the world, I guess. Well, we also kind of see what Ketrigan could have had through Molly and her bees. Because Molly still Molly does have that kind of connection with her bees. So I'm sure that Ketrigan could have had some sort of relationship with an animal like that. If I would, you know, it would have been so cool if she got like a white fox. I know, that's just what like, I was thinking. You know, I keep it around. Because... I can picture that. And then I it's just, you know, it's just, it's just my emblem. I can, yeah, I can secretly, see it's just like Bond Parker. I could see everyone just writing it off as like kind of the queen's mascot. And it being fine because it's just like the queen's mascot. It's her pet. It's fine. But like, actually, they're connected. Okay. Do we have uh, anything else for this chapter? I don't. I don't think so. Okay. Okay. So let's move on to chapter 11, Lone Wolves. Um, this one which, uh, yeah. So it's a bunch of. Lonely people doing stupid, lonely things um, and being like, no, I'm better off lonely instead of actually reaching out to people. Uh, th- that's the entire chapter. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So it starts off with Fitz once again being like, you know, we're not supposed to be bonded, Night Eyes. Here, I've, I'm taking you to the mice barn. <laughs> He's like, I'm just going to drop you off here. Goodbye. Yeah. Yes, there are many mice. You will not starve. Why? At least you will not starve of hunger. Yeah, why did he think that was going to be fine? Like, I'm sure mice are not the most appetizing thing for night eyes to eat. So he's just like, yeah, you can just eat. It, it'd be like eating bread all day, but like only bread, no like yummy butter or anything. Like just something plain to sustain you. Night does seem pretty excited and, and like he was like wow these are some fat rats or whatever <laughs> and so I, I think that like when night eyes was thinking it was like a one-off thing was was pretty into it yeah but yeah but i think when all, yeah when night is all of a sudden turns around and realizes it's like you're abandoning me i like cringed mm. when i was reading it because it was like ouch yeah poor puppy yeah Mm-hmm. And it's kind of wild that, like, Night Eyes knows more about consent, it seems, than Fitz does. Because Night Eyes is like, you can't force this on me. Like, I get a choice in this matter. You can't force yourself to, like, unbond for me because that's not giving me any, like, say in the matter. And we're two people in this relationship. 
the well. I mean, I feel like it's one of those things where, like, it's weird because I feel like if this was just like a normal relationship, I feel like there's definitely like the thing of like one person can totally like break it off and be like, no, I don't want this. But like with the wit, there's just like that deeper thing of like. Once you're bonded, you can't, like, unbond. Yeah. It's just, like, not really a thing that's possible. And, like, more so than that, it's just, like, even without the wit, like, it's just a dick move on Fitz's part because, like, Fitz knows that, like, Night Eyes does not have a prospect at, a, at like, a normal life anymore. Yeah, there's no way a and, well-established pack of wolves is going to accept him in as a stranger. They would kill his ass the second he got close. He also t- tells him there are no wolves nearby. Yeah, so he's leaving him to his, just completely to himself. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's probably so frustrating for Night Eyes, because Night Eyes is like, I see you like our bond. Like, I, I can feel it. There's just some, like, stupid human shit that, like, that, like, is preventing you from bonding with me. Can you get over your fucking humanness yeah. for once? Ugh. Yeah, there's a line here that I love. Uh, my heart is my own. I give it where I will. And I feel like, um, I feel like the fool also says something like this in Golden Fool. I I can't remember if it's like during the whole argument or whatever. But like this this line like really reminded me of something the fool said at some point. Because yeah. I think that like the fool says something similar to Fitz. Yeah, they were just like. Which is also, like, the funniest thing where, like, Fitz is like, I'm so alone, and someone's like, I love you, and I care about you, and he's like, not like that, not right now. <laughs> Just, like, anyways, back to being alone. Mm-hmm. One thing I hate about this scene is Fitz, like, repelling Night Eyes. I hate it so, so much, because Night Eyes already feels alone, and, like, Fitz is abandoning him, and then... He's being pushed away and like scared of like the one person by the one person who he thought was gonna have his back for a while. And Fitz just like sucks. I hate him in this moment. I forgot that. that- and, like, the repelling is probably something that like Night Eyes has never felt. It's like such a like weirdly unique thing to the wit. Yeah. So it's the shock of like, what the fuck? And it's like, I don't think that animals can repel, right? It's like a uniquely humans with the wit thing. Yeah, I don't know. It probably is just for humans because they don't have like sharp teeth and claws to protect themselves. Mm -hmm. You you can have a little repel as a treat. What were you going to say, Leah? Oh, I was just going to say that I totally forgot that that even happened. And it was another, like, cringe moment because their bond becomes such an integral part of this series as a whole. Like, for how few books Night Eyes is really in, like, their relationship is what I think of first when I think of this series. And, like, the fact that it actually repels him in this part is, like, painful. Yeah. It's definitely hard. It's hard to read back knowing how they are later on. And you're just like, you're such a freaking stupid head. 
you saw. I know. I was shocked when I forgot it. I was like, oh my god, I can't believe Fitz just repelled Night Eyes. What the heck? Yeah, not a fun time. I know what you mean when you said cringe, but also, like, just like the way you said it was, like, the funniest thing to me. I, I'm just imagining, like, on, like, on YouTube, like, Realm of the Elderlings cringe compilation. And, so, and it's just, like, it, it's just, like, someone, like, stitches all 16 audiobooks together, and that's it. Oh, my God. <laughs> just, uh. Yeah, it's... You made, like, a note here about, like, Fitz saying, like, how he feels, like, just, like, emotional pain after, like, cutting himself off from Night Eyes. And that, like, that really hit me. Um, just, like, the description of, like, yeah, like, this is still actually painful, though. Um, and uh, the, the note that, like, it was worse than when Burge had taken Nosy for I'd done this to myself. Which, yeah, Fitz, you, you do keep... Cutting yourself off from other people. You gotta stop ghosting them. Come on now. Well, I think it was only partly... Like, I think... I think the reason that he felt so bad was only... It was, like, only part because he had done it to himself and part, I think, more because his bond was stronger with Night Eyes than it... Even before he had accepted it, his bond was stronger with Night Eyes than any of his other previous wit bonds. So, like, that must have been a really big deal to kind of do that and then have it be such a huge part of yourself without kind of acknowledging it and then just it being gone because of you. Yeah, and like right after Fitz runs off, um, a group of Forged Ones attacks um, and Fitz is kind of struggling until uh, Night Eyes comes to save his stupid uh, cow teeth Using my, like as yeah. Um, I I love like how the series makes combat not just feel like a thing that happens and like okay we're moving on because like specifically like Fitz getting bitten here like he holds that scar for years all the way to like the end of Golden Fool and even then he like get yeah it's just it's really gross. There's a real sense of. Yeah, but like also like there's this real sense of like there's consequences to any sort of combat, and like you accumulate scars over time. And the things we go through so, stick with us. Mm-hmm. That scar in particular, I believe, in um, the next book is how the guards identify him. Like a group of guards mm-hmm. when they catch him, and then he poisons all of them. I think it's because mm-hmm. they see the bite mark scar and they're like oh you definitely are the bastard because you have a a actual chunk missing out of your body because someone tried to eat you can you imagine how traumatizing and scary that must be like knowing that a human being is so hungry that they would be willing to eat you while you're still alive and your body raw like just Take a little chunk and just swallow it down. Like, I can't imagine the terror that Fitz was feeling when that happened. No. Me neither. One thing about that scene that I actually like is the fact that, like, Night Eyes comes back and the first thing he says to Fitz is brother. 
Like he doesn't, he just kind of forgives and forgets immediately. He's like, my brother's in need. I need to go help him. After Fitz terrified the fuck out of him by repelling him. Like even though Fitz did everything that he could to drive Night Eyes away, including like physically scaring him, Night Eyes like knew that their relationship and bond was stronger than even that. Like he would overcome all of that to protect Fitz. Yeah, it's the very wolfish thing, right? Like, what matters is the now when Fitz is being attacked and not the five minutes ago yeah, when Fitz was being a dick. Grudge. Mm-hmm. Also, I totally forgot that we didn't actually know Night Eyes' name yet because we've been just, like, like banding the name around. But then, like, I was like, oh, my God, it, t- it takes this long for Night Eyes to give Fitz his name. Like, it's such, like, their, bo- like, their bonding is definitely not, like, cheap. Like it's it's built up like so slowly and like so like meticulously. Yeah. Which again, like there was like a very easy justification for them to like have bonded earlier because of like the intensity of like that initial like emotional sink. Yeah. But yeah, I, I taking it slow made it like so much more compelling to read. Uh and makes it feel a lot more meaningful than the other previous bonds. Mm-hmm. Because I, I don't know about you, but the first time I read this, I was like, oh, cool, another animal to die. <laughs> like, after I was, I was so traumatized after Smithy and Nosy. I was you like, so jaded. I was like, cool, how are they going to keep... Yeah, I was like, no, no, not again. <laughs> I, I, was, I was Fitz, like, trying not to bond. I can't basically. afford this pain. Mm-hmm. And, then right, and then right as I like got over and I was like okay cool Night Eyes is here to stay Phew. they fucking kill him off and fools Aaron but I think it's less it's equally as heartbreaking but it's less I think like traumatizing and bad because Night Eyes dies of old age it's not like he just gets taken away and we think he's dead or he like sacrifices himself to save Fitz it's just like he lived as long as he could, and then it was just his time to go. It wasn't a horrible, scary, sad death. Even though it's it was also foreshadowed mm-hmm. that that whole book, like the whole book, oh, yeah. is Robin Hobb yeah. setting us up. She's to like, lose. "Get ready, it's coming." At least yeah. not all of a sudden, like with Smithy and He's warning Andy. us. Yeah, we get something. We get like our toes dipped into it before we get plunged in. Right. Mm-hmm. One thing that I noticed in this section while I was reading later on is the way that Fitz kind of has that double vision a little bit because he says when he fully accepts his bond with Night Eyes, he has double vision for a second and then it clears and he can like, like he just has double senses now. And then he kind of has that same experience or reaction when he first kind of skill links with Verity later on where he's like oh I had double vision I was like seeing myself but also seeing Verity at the same time and that only goes away I think when like Verity turns his head but it was kind of weird that he can have such similar experiences with the two very different magics Hmm. which again makes me think that like they probably aren't so different uh, in like mechanically. Yeah, at least in the way Fitz uses them. 
because he's mm-hmm. like not good at distinguishing between them and he kind mm-hmm. of just goes about everything the same way so he doesn't like approach them differently at all yeah I'm um, going back to this fight that he has that he like a it's the first time of like an infinite amount of times that Night Eyes saves Fitz's life but it's also just like particularly disgusting that after the fact Fitz kind of like blacks out or whatever and then when he comes to he's spitting out blood and beard hair yeah like that's so I weird. can't think I think I, just, I think I just glossed over that I yeah. didn't want to think about it, so I'm like, let me just pretend like I didn't see this. But then it happens again <laughs> later on when he's yeah, like yeah, the forged yes. ones after the little girl. Like he needs yeah, to it stop becoming twice. a wolf because he's not just he's got people. <laughs> it's so gross. Like I can't think of much more that is like more gross. Yeah, me neither. Mm-hmm. Okay, and after the fight, uh, Fitz returns to Buckkeep Castle and meets with Verity, where they have, like, a longer conversation. Um, I, I very much empathize with Fitz here when he was like, how could it be that I knew more of his wife than he did? And it's like, yeah, come on. Like, Verity, you are so bad at this. Like, I know that you have, like, a lot going on, but you're, like, it's, instead of juggling everything, you're just dropping every single ball. Like, come on now. Um, Verity's not doing so hot in the relationship aspect of his life, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also he was kind of addicted to Fitz because he's like, Fitz is like, yeah, I've been lonely. And then Verity's like, no, you don't get it. I'm so lonely for chivalry. It's like being the only one of something in the world, like the very last wolf hunting alone. And then Fitz is like, yeah, no, I totally don't get that. Would never understand that feeling. <laughs> um, and like, and this is how I know that Verity is not using the skill like proper. Cause he, cause we come up and like Fitz is like worried, like, Oh, Verity's skilling out of the tower. And he's like, nah, he shouldn't be doing that. And this is how I know that like Verity is like not turning his skill properly because like if he was skilling at Fitz he would know that Fitz feels that loneliness too but he's like directing his skill like outwards towards the the coast or yeah um, and yeah another thing that like I picked up from the section was Verity's talking about how like chivalry could make like leaps of intuition but Verity like wants or needs to like lay out all the facts and like find patterns in them which I thought it was super interesting because I feel like this is one moment where we see Fitz or one trait that like is distinctly more verity than chivalry for Fitz because I feel like Fitz is not nowhere near the type to like make leaps of intuition or like have that type of insight, but he is very much like, okay, here's what I know. Let's lay it out. Um, He's very like practical and less like, intuitive in that sense of like yeah I thought that was like a super cool like the almost like the first time we've seen him like be different from his father mm-hmm. in that respect and I think this is something that kind of shade helps foster within fits of like mm-hmm. looking at everything and not jumping to conclusions and making sure that you have all of the information before you make any decisions 
Mm-hmm. For sure. Oh yeah. Also, uh, hashtag full watch. Um, Verity is like, uh, or like, uh, Fitz is like to understand them, you must become them. And then Verity is like, now who sounds like the fool? And I'm like, aha, okay. I think we need to have the fool watch, which we already have, and then we also need to have a wolf watch, where anything gets referred to as a wolf that isn't directly talking about like night eyes. Because it happens so much. And it happened so much in the first book, too, before we even had Night Eyes. Yeah, like, right here. Like, oh, I'm the very last wolf hunting alone. It's like, oh, oh, you are? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, Verity just, Verity just uses a lot of wolf metaphors. And it's just like, huh? Yeah. Verity and Burrich, they're like the main wolf metaphor culprits. Fair. I feel like Birch just uses animal metaphors in general, though, because That's he's just, like, animal-brained. Yeah. yeah. Especially the fact, like, calling um, Molly, what is it, her pelt or something? He says she has a red gland to her coat. Yes. Yeah, red gland to her coat. Yeah, go ahead. Birch. Like, no lie, when, when he first said that, I thought he was talking about, like, the skirts, and I'm like, okay. Yeah, weird weird thing to say, red glint. And I realized she was talking about her hair. I'm like, that's the stupidest shit I've ever heard. Birch. Like, Birch, this is why you're single. He also needs to have more human interaction. <laughs> I think that's, like, a sign that he needs to be talking to people more because <laughs> what? <laughs> I love how, like, apparently, Birch is hot. I, Birch and Fitz are both hot, but head empty. They're yes. actually both hippos. <laughs> yes. They're hot and socially inept and, like, super weird. Yeah. Okay, do we have anything else in this chapter? Not me. Okay, so we're moving on to chapter 12, Task. Um, very much feels like a continuation of last chapter, but also uh, Fitz ends up in a random depressive loneliness spiral. Um, and essentially, uh, yeah, like I like the way you phrased Alex. Teenage dramatics happens oh basically. Yeah, it's ridiculous, but it's, it's so, so over. The top. It's so funny how like realistic it is, though, because I was talking with some friends last night, and like one of them works with a teenager, and she was talking about like how much relationship drama she has and how she like is never going to have the connection that she had with her ex ever again with any other guy because they were like meant to be, but like he cheated on her and all of this stuff. Like it was so dramatic. And I had just read this chapter and I'm like, Oh my God, like Hob really nailed the teenage drama. Like she did a great job. Yeah, I have all, so I have four teenage siblings and I can definitely attest, like, everything is the end of the world. Everything is, like, this relationship is the the one that I'm going to be with forever. And they're, like, the right person for whatever. It's just, like, very, it's very accurate. Like, she had to have written this when she her kids were teenagers or something. Yeah. Because it's so, it's perfect. like... Right. It's... Can you imagine being the child of a writer? They like <laughs> they put you on blast to the entire world. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, but before we get to all of that, the chapter starts off with like Fitz accompanying Ketrickin uh, to repair the Queen's Garden and the tower. Um, and okay, one thing I've been noting is that like every time Fitz gives like way more description to Ketrickin than any other character usually. Mm-hmm. Like he always makes it like he always makes her to like note the color of her eyes in the moment or like give a metaphor for that, like the color of her hair or whatever. And like like knowing what we know about like Fitz like and Ketrickin maybe like having a mutual attraction, like I was like, it does this this probably means something. And so I've been like noting it. And here like Fitz is like wow, Verity should come here, and if he saw Ketrickin like this, then he could not help but love her. And, like, with zero self-reflection, <laughs> is, like, doesn't think about, like, well, okay, wait, what, what, why, why, what does that say about me looking at her now? And it's just like, oh, my God. Like, yeah, it's, I, I think, it like, like I can... yeah, Fitz just doesn't understand his own feelings. He needs someone else to spell out for him, like, Fitz, you may, like, you may have, like, literally, you like... have a crush on the queen. I don't... I, I, yeah, and I, I, it's the same thing where, like, I, if Patience straight up had not told Fitz that, like, hey, Molly likes you, I don't think Fitz would have processed his own feelings, like, at all. Yeah. Like, and in the same way here, like, so, so it, no one tells Fitz that, like, do you have a crush on the queen? Because obviously no one's going to say that, but that also leads to him, like, never actually dealing with any of these emotions. And writing off Ketrickin's kind of advances as like she's just trying to comfort me later on in the books but it's like uh, she wants uh, you bro like she was not with the queen uh-huh night I and Fitz is like oh I'm so lonely and no one will ever love me and also I'm ugly <laughs> yes <laughs> like god damn it Fitz at least he's not crying about being a cripple anymore, though. Yeah, true, over true. that quite quickly. Yeah, I love, like, later in the section where, like, Birch is like, so you don't have any seizures, you're totally cool. Cool. It looks like the solution is to beat it out of you. And then, like, I love the line after that where, like, it's just like, in the next hour, a Birch practiced his new, like, theory of medicine quite thoroughly. <laughs> yeah. It's just like... But yeah, so after going to see Ketrickin, Fitz moves on and goes and sees Night Eyes again. And they they have, like, now that they've finally, Fitz has, like, worked out his issues, they have a much more, like, amicable relationship. But um, one thing that I really liked here is Night Eyes, like, making sure to let Fitz know that Night Eyes, like, can't fulfill all of his emotional needs, um, which I think is really cool because it's so much more mature than Smith. Because Smithy was just like, Fitz, you're my entire world. Yeah. Everything revolves around you. Love me. Um, so Night Eye saying that is like such a gradual, like such a, it shows such a progression in like the maturity of Fitz and those he's bonding with. Though, of course, later on this chapter, Fitz is like, actually, Molly, I'm going to stake all of my emotional needs and well being on you. Love me. And it's like, uh, did you listen to your wolf, dude? Night Eyes is definitely becoming more mature than Fitz. And it just continues that way. Yeah, he's definitely, like, more mature and smarter and also better at fighting and better in almost every way. And he might be better looking. He's probably the most handsome (laughs) wolf ever. (laughs) Just, like, the best. 
I mean, we, we don't know what happens when, like, night... We don't know all the details of what happens when Night Eyes leaves in book three. I wonder if there are baby Night Eyes running around. That'd be oh. so freaking cool. That would be great. Mm-hmm. I love that they kind of, like, Fitz finally accepts the bond fully and how quickly he kind of goes from thinking of them as separate to thinking of of them as like one being. Cause he says, as he's like walking away, he's like, I nodded to ourselves in the dark. Like, Mm -hmm. whoa, fit. I also just really love that line from like a writing perspective. Cause it seems so wrong, but it gets across exactly what is intended. Yeah. That they're one. Right. It's like so intuitive, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then later, <clears throat> later on, when Fitz is having like this depressed spiral, he's like, "Was there, was I, what was I anymore to anyone except a tool? Was there anyone left who cared for me myself?" Um, and I, I love like this like framing of it because it makes so much sense for him going to Patience, both because Patience loves him unconditionally, but also like last book when he was thinking like, "Oh, Patience, like." probably doesn't have like a very good opinion of me because she doesn't like see me she like who am i in her eyes without like all the assassinating stuff so like every time fitz is like feeling unsure about like who he is or what his role is in the world he like comes like comes back to patience and i love that for him and i wish that he could have like explored that more and i think things would have gone swimmingly if molly hadn't been there but unfortunately molly was there and there's this Teenage drama. Like it's just so overblown. He's yeah. Like I would die if I was not with you. And he's like grabbing onto her skirts like a lost child, and like he either has to let go or risk ripping her skirt when she's walking away. Like Fitz, are you kidding me? Have some dignity and self Fucking dignity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Literally thinking that exactly. Oh my god. Come on, um, Fitz. You're making a fool of yourself. Making a fool of himself. <laughs> that was an accident. <laughs> I love Lacey, but I kind of wish she would have just like kept her nose out of things because she obviously ships them so hard. She's like constantly encouraging him to like be his dramatic little self. Yeah. And then, I don't know. She definitely. It feels like Fitz is. Uh, it feels like Lacey is usually the most sensible of the bunch, and she sets Fitz on, like, the stupidest path possible. I was just like, I completely forgot that Lacey is the one who, like, convinces him to, like, go go after Molly. It's like, yeah, I guess Lacey's just kind of, like, a romantic at heart, though. I could definitely see it. But also, I'm like, no, Lacey, keep being sensible. Well, right. doesn't Shade warn Fitz about Lacey? And he's like... It, it's either him or, like, Burrich or someone. And he's like, you've got to be careful or else Lacey will, like, you blink and Lacey's got your whole life planned out and she's, like, organizing everything for you. And that's yeah, what she's so, doing at times. Yeah, I think, like, it was in reference to, like, hey, you've got to, like, keep your chambers private mm-hmm. and you've got to, like, do all of that. But it definitely makes sense where it's, like, like, I love how if it's like, I'm a tool, uh And then, like, immediately he, he's like, oh, okay, I have the go-ahead from Lacey. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Gonna go do this thing. And it's <laughs> I like, have oh, my I'm just God. Do it. Oh, yeah, and, like, near the end, uh, there's a line where it's like, did I lie to myself then? Don't we all? Which was uh, a throwback to the line in the previous section where it's like, 
an assassin cannot afford to lie to himself. And this is like, it's explicitly being like, I'm lying to myself. I'm I'm going to pretend that everything's going to work out, and it's totally not like going to cr- come crashing down around me. I kind of wonder what would have happened if Shade had been here this entire time. Like, I bet he would have put the Knicks on Fitz and Molly before it even started, or before Fitz had like started kind of trying to make those connections. Like, Shade would have been on it, and he would have stopped it right away. I love how, like, Fitz is like, oh, man, I really hope Shay doesn't come back tonight. But can you imagine? Shay is like, okay, time to meet with my boy. <laughs> and just opens the door. I, Molly would have been terrified. I would simply perish on the spot. I would not, I would not leave the walls ever. <laughs> just like, you know what? This whole apprentice thing, not for me. I don't need to train another assassin. I could just do it all on my own. <laughs> I, me me and my ferret against the world. Yes. <laughs> I do like Shade, but I feel like I wouldn't put it past him to um like make it seem as though Molly fell ill. Yeah. Or something. And then she died. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that happening for sure. Because Shade Yeah, I, I don't think he would kill the her, kingdom. But like he would definitely be like he he would definitely like be like Whoa, your uncle Rufus died and he left you a bunch of cash for a chandlery, but only if you go to like town a hundred miles away. She has to go to yeah. a be- better go. Mm-hmm. Basically, like what Regal offers her, except like a lot more subtle. And in a way that would convince her to actually go. That it would, right. he would mm-hmm. make it seem like it was her manipulation. Right. Yeah, he'd manipulate her into going. Whereas Regal was basically just like, hey, ho, take money and stop sleeping with my nephew, even though you're not. And stop loving him, too. Right. He's unlovable. How could you love him? He's such a rat. Regal is just like, he's so like, manipulative but then he's just like his hatred just like cannot he can't stop it from like coming out he's like you know it'd be best if you just left because Fitz is an unlovable bastard yeah. you just like he just like mentions Fitz and it's just like and he's so ugly yeah. I don't even know what you see in him <laughs> god um yeah and like anytime that like Fitz and Molly are together all I can think of is like Hap and Svanja and it's just like Fitz is Fitz is like, man, I can't. I did this to myself. Like, oh my god! Like, this is just this is just karma. This is retribution. I should have listened to patience, and I didn't. And now it's coming back around to bite me in the ass. Yeah, because like all the descriptions too are like so re- like. I feel like Robin Hobb must have like gone back and referenced like these scenes to like try and like see how like uh, Hap would frame his relationship with Svanja because it's like it's like spot on the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at least Fitz is self-aware. Like, he definitely knows and acknowledges he? that he was just as ridiculous as Hap is being. Looking back, and, yeah. Okay, I don't okay, think okay. that, like, yeah. in the Looking moment, back, yeah. he's like, I'm being so dramatic. Right. So I would die right. for Molly. But Fitz, the difference is Fitz was lucky enough to, like, love someone that loved him back, whereas Hap loves Svanya, who is obviously, like, just... 
a like who's around right now type of person. It's because like Fitz Fitz Sonya actually has a sailor who comes and takes her away. Like there's an actual jade. Like yeah, it's it's not just mm-hmm. her cousin. Mm-hmm. Which I feel like that was kind of weird making Jade her cousin because it seemed like Ew. it was a little bit romantic. Like it didn't seem like it was cousinly love at first. It could. I mean, it could also be like Fitz is not a good judge of anything. But also, I totally agree. It feels. It feels like it could have been written or set up in a way where it was more obviously Fitz misinterpreting something. Yeah. But wasn't it like, like Jade had like his arm around her shoulder or whatever, and it's yeah, she, like it, it just, like there's just like yeah. I want to say she like kissed his cheek or something, even. Yeah, and I feel like he mm-hmm. like acted weird towards Fitz the one time that they had like an interaction, because it was like a little competition or something. But that also could mm-hmm. just be Fitz being like. Fitz is the forever unreliable narrator, so he might have interpreted it as, like, a competition, so that's how it's written. It could also be, like, Jade being, like, like, seeing, like, the start of, like, romantic interest between Molly and, like, Fitz and, like, trying to evaluate, like, yo, okay, who who are you that you want to, like... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I like, though, that as dramatic as Fitz is, Molly is just as dramatic. And she's a couple years older, so, like, you would think she would be mature and all that stuff. But she is, like, just as bad as Fitz. And at the end of this chapter, she's like, promise me. Otherwise, I shall not survive this day. Promise me you will return to me. For no matter what the king may say, know this. I am your wife. And I always will. Always. Like, (laughs) you guys. (laughs) This is your first relationship. What? Right. Molly was so sensible to start. And it's just like, unfortunately, unfortunately, Fitz just gets really stupidly persistent. And instead of that being like, fuck off, it's just like, oh, so romantic. He like broke into my room for me. (laughs) I'm just like over here like, bro. He climbs out his window and down a rope. He's, what, at least five stories up. He could have, like, he could have died. He's also, like, injured and hasn't slept. Also, is that wrong? Like, I think that, I thought the service quarters were up a level. Oh, he goes up higher and then just climbs down. It's not his room, right? I don't think he's coming from his room yet. I think he, like, on purpose goes to the room above hers and rappels down. Because okay. I, the when I read that, I just read it as, like, he's climbing down from his room. But thinking back, I'm like, that's not right. That Because he lives below them because he's, like, I don't know, he's, like, status as, like, Sort of nobleman. Better than a servant, but not quite royalty. Yeah, he's kind of in between floors, because I remember when Molly's bringing him back to his room when she thinks he's drunk. 
he's like, just up a level, and she's like, that's where the royal family lives. And then he's like, no, that other room. And she's like, that's where the bastard lives. And she's like, are you sure you don't mean, like, up another floor? And he's like, yeah. oh, I know where I live. God, like, like, rereading this, it's, like, so... Like, this is, it's actually, like, Fitz's behavior is so fucking creepy. He, like, he tries her lo- her door to, like, open her door with a knife. And, like, she's, like, she pointedly, like, he knocks. She, like, turns off the light. He, like, tries to open the door with a knife. And then, like, like, honestly, like, this guy's a goddamn stalker. And, like, the only reason this ends well is because, like, Molly ends up, like, doing a, a complete, like, 180. And it's, like, actually, yeah, now I I do, like love you and want you now but like huh like in hindsight this is it's just like so fucking yeah could you imagine if she actually didn't like him and he was seen like breaking into her room i think it's so funny though at this these fantasies here give us like healthy healthy depictions of romance we don't there's been that's such a teenager thing to think is romantic though because if a guy did that or if like a partner did that now i would file a restraining order order but if someone did that when i was 16 or 17 i probably would have been like oh my god you love me so much but see i think there's a difference between like i feel like the romantic thing would be like like throwing rocks the window or like just the rappelling down and down and opening the window yeah yeah and not after trying the door (laughs) and like knocking and just like i'm really not interested and it's like well, and she's like, I'm going to call the guards. And Fitz has the audacity to be like, well, put on some tea for them because, like, I'm not leaving. Like, he is ridiculous. He really is. I thought that was such a funny line, though. I'm like, damn, Fitz. Okay. Fitz has some... Like, scary. Fitz was really, like, he, he was having his... He was on his bravado, this chapter. That would have got me. I think After. telling the guards to, like, put on some... To put some tea on for the guards, I would have been like, damn, okay. Like, I'll do it. Right. You got me, Fitz. Like, sorry. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I love, like, how quickly he's, he's like, no one loves me. And then, like, three seconds later, he's just like, actually, I'm the coolest and smartest person in the world. And I'm, <laughs> yes. I'm look at me go. I'm the most talented. I can get anybody I want. Okay, so next up we have chapter 13, Hunting. Basically, this chapter is Oh, you thought that fight earlier with the forged one was bad? You thought him getting hit a chunk bitten out of it was bad? Oh, hold on. Let's make it worse. Um, so, so this is like... So much worse. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just like to point out that Fitz still has not slept. He's had, like, a full battle with forged ones. Went and talked to Verity had his whole tryst with Molly and then went back to his room and basically like half-assedly cleaned his wounds and then went out again to do more fighting. Like, (laughs) what type of teenager shit? I wake up and three hours later I want to (laughs) nap. Yes. And and I love that like this is the book where Fitz started out being like I'm old, I'm incapable. Right. Going like multiple all nighters and still being fine to like fight everybody. Right. It's amazing Mm -hmm. that he A can like move around and walk and B survives another battle. 
Which I, I have to assume is just because of Night Eyes. Oh, oh yeah. Like, definitely would have died without Night yeah, Eyes. There's no doubt. Case. And this is the first time that Verity kind of goes with Fitz on like a little adventure through the skill. Yeah, like I it's another example of like Fitz, just don't think about it and you can actually use the skill pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, whenever he f- focuses on it, Verity's like, nope, stop focusing on it. Like, I think Verity says at one point, it's hard to breathe if you think about trying to breathe. Yeah, like, even, even when then becomes like a chore when you think about it or something like that. Yep. But then yeah, like, there's a metaphor of like carrying a tray with like a wine glass filled to the brim. And it's like, if you just don't think about the fact that it's filled to the brim, you could carry it without spilling. And if you don't right. But as soon as that you have that awareness. Mm-hmm. There are so many different things that get tied in with this. And one thing that I noticed was while Verity is asking Fitz to like figure out if he trusts Verity and like Verity takes a step back he like reaches out to Night Eyes and is like, I'm going to have to do this on my own. Like you can't come. And Night Eyes says I should be there, but you may trust me to be unseen and unknowable. Like the fact that he's talking about trust as Fitz is like trying to decide, can I trust Verity with like all of my secrets? It was kind of fitting. Mm -hmm, For sure. And then, like, when Fitz is like, yeah, you know, there's, I have this friend who saw the place where the for where the Forge one were. And then, like, Verdi goes on, like, this little thing about, like, you know, the quiet folk often know much. <laughs> um, it, yeah. And, like, I thought that was an interesting little, like, aside. Because in Trilogy, obviously, I think that, like, the closest parallel is, like, Rosemary. Because, like, it's someone that, like, is kept by a member of the royal family solely as a spy because they're so inconspicuous. Yeah. But also... The whole context around it also really reminds me of Thick later mm-hmm. on. That's what I thought like, of. Mm-hmm. I thought of Thick right away as well. Mm-hmm. It's also like, Again, interesting like, that... A whole trilogy away. I think it's interesting that Verity doesn't like seem to know that Fitz is referring to an animal, considering... In the last chapter, when Fitz says, how much do you know? Verity says, more than you, or less than you know, but more than you think I know. Insinuating that he knows that, like, Fitz is witted and or has a bond. But then, when this is brought up, and Fitz just says, like, I know somebody. Verity assumes. I think it's more just, like, Verity, like, accepting that Fitz doesn't want to talk about it. And, like, I almost feel like that's what the whole going on that whole story is. It's kind of like a bluster where it's like, yeah, you know, my, like, we had this, like, spy. So it's like, yeah, I, t- I totally get what you mean. Quiet folk all- always know stuff when, like, Verity, like, just, just is doing the talking for two because he knows that, like, 
Fitz is just trying to hide that Night Eyes is a wolf, I feel like. It could also be Verity's ignorance about the wit. Like, he might not know how it works, so he might not know that they can actually have conversations and that, Mm. like, Fitz's animal can tell him things and, like, communicate with him that way. Because, like, he might not know that that's something that's possible just yet. Fair, yeah. Because like, he he definitely, at least by the end of this chapter, he is aware that, like, Fitz is witted. Yeah. It, because cause he, like, he not so subtly references, like, yeah, we need to use whatever tools we're given to fight this. Which also kind of mirrors, like, the full song of using all of the skills that you have. And then Verity goes on and confirms mm-hmm. it. And that also kind of adds to the connection between Verity and the Fool. Even though, like, the fool's kind of mad at Verity and doesn't want to have that connection. And the, is it, like, next chapter where he's, like... the Yeah, I think it's next yeah. chapter where, like, there's a whole, like, drawing of the loyalty lines. Yeah. But yeah, so the next part of this chapter is the actual fight with the Forged Ones, and yeah, it's pretty brutal. It's harder it's, to read it than like, the last one. Yeah, it's heavy. We're just really saying something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's also, I never, I either glazed over it or intentionally forgot, but um, the fact that Night Eyes literally scalps one of them is really gross. Yeah. I definitely forgot about that. And that's disgusting, yeah. but mm-hmm. I mean, it was what he had. To See, do I think with these fight it. scenes, I just like mm-hmm. as like a defense mechanism, I just like gloss over them. I'm like, uh-huh, blood fighting. Uh, they're still fighting. Cool. Okay, they're done fighting. I can go back to close reading. The battle yeah. scenes are few and far between, but man, they are visceral. Yeah. And, and yeah, they're visceral even with Hob being like, Fitz flew into a battle rage and only remembers half of it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like... The half you know. he remembers is very bad. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Also, the fact that it's, like, this little girl and the descriptions of, like, her little hand and, like, her yellow dress and everything, it's just super And Fitz upsetting. being like, this, so this is what it feels like to hold a child. And he's, like, holding this poor, dead baby like oh my god he calls her his child like at some point he says i was still holding my child like so yeah and he's only he's probably only about 16 like it's very young to have to deal with something that traumatic yeah yeah referring to it as my child also like it connects back to what what fits as at the end of the chapter where it's like these are my people Mm -hmm. um after the fight goes back and like confers with Verity and Burridge and like it makes me sad because I thought that like Fitz had like gotten over this fear but then like he thinks that Burridge is going to be like he's gonna like reprimand him about the about the wit but instead it goes instead he's like Verity why did you like send him out he's just like trying to defend him to Verity and I'm like uh he's he's like he cares about Fitz so much I'm crying I know 
But Fitz still doesn't see that. It, he doesn't see it like Birch seeing Fitz as his kid. He just sees it as like Birch is doing his thing again. Making sure I don't. I think he's, Fitz is also. He's also like feeling a little jealous and excluded because of the like day to day work relationship that Hans and Birch have. Yeah, definitely. But I feel like he's making it worse for himself. Like, I think that he could have, like, if he visited the stables more and, like, took care of Sooty like he's supposed to, like, I think that he could still be in on it. Like, I think he's the one who's distancing himself, and he thinks that it's Hans and Burrage separating themselves from him. It's like, (laughs) Fitz, you're so dumb. And it's like, because... He's like, yeah, they were talking about stuff I didn't understand. And it's just like, you know, if you asked a question, I'm sure that like, and like, I get it. Sometimes you can definitely just like feel excluded from a conversation, but it's also just like, fits whether it's like his own personality or sometimes just like he's a depressed little boy. He just, he's really adept at at taking like one situation being like, this is my entire life. Yeah. And it's never going to change always going to be alone and it's just like oh my god you cry baby mm-hmm. which like i think that like there's definitely moments where i'm like sympathetic to fits but other times i'm just like this like i think i'm sympathetic for how he feels about like being around hands and birds especially like how he was with them in the mountains for so long and they were like yeah. his closest friends and now he doesn't like it to see them that much but then, like, whenever he's like, no one loves me, I'm going to, but, like, I'm just going to conveniently forget about patience. I'm like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Do you know how much patience gave up for you? Yeah, how dare you? That's your mom. But that's such a teenager mm-hmm. thing to do, too, is, like, to just forget about your parents and, like, forget that they actually care about you and love you and just think that you're so alone and they're like, to you. One thing that happened kind of right after the fight that I had completely forgot about is Fitz, like, shuts off his wit for a second. Like, I, it must have just been such a traumatic thing that, like, Fitz can barely even process, like, being in his own body, let alone, like, having the wit. So it kind of just shuts off as, like, a survival mechanism, maybe. And then Night Eyes is, like, Because we see him do the same with a skill. Yeah, we seem to do the same thing with the skill when later on on, like, Antler Island and, like, Verity isn't able to contact him as a result. Mm-hmm. Um, which, like, yeah, the... I like, I didn't notice that the first time either, but, like, again, another parallel where, like, Fitz's walls for the, for the wood and the skill, like, go up or go down in very similar or the same situations. Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of, like, when Fitz, like, takes the skill cake in Fool's Fate and is just, like, completely cut off from everyone. Like. I think it happened yeah, at some just, point in Assassin's Quest 2, because that's why. 
believe that's why Night Eyes like ends up talking to Ketra again because he's like, "I made her hear me." Oh yeah, because on the skill road, yeah, it was like he stops being able to hear Night Eyes. Yeah. Something about the skill road made Fitz like unable to get through to Night Eyes, and then like that's also very weird when Night Eyes like starts acting more like a wolf. It'll be like he whined or something. It's like what? Yeah, instead of just talking. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And it makes you realize, like, how the others see Night Eyes. Especially, like, there's a, there's a part where, like, the fool is like, this great warrior is Night Eyes. And then, like, Night is like, you thought I was, like, this drooling little... <laughs> you I was dumb. Which, again, I think is also, like, a really good sign of, like, how in tune Ketrickin is or, like, how much respect Ketrickin has for everything. Because even the fool, as, like, farsighted as he is, just, like, didn't realize it until he connected with Night Eyes. Well, like, Ketrickin never actually directly talks with Night Eyes um, or, like, doesn't have, like, a conversation, really. Like, Night Eyes, like, conveys stuff to her. But she still has, like, from the get-go, so much respect for Night Eyes. She's like, oh, yeah, you know, the Fitz, Fitz says that you are a cool, intelligent being, so I'm going to treat you with that kind of respect. Yeah, I believe Fitz. Um, okay. Do we have anything else for this chapter? I don't think I do. I don't think I do either. Okay. So let's get into the last chapter for today's episode, Chapter 14, Winterfest. Um, also known as Beware of Winterfest. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, so in this chapter, the Fool comes in and there's like discussions basically of like where their lo- loyalties lie, what they should be doing. Um, and then... Fitz finally decides to take the fool's advice and go check up on Shrewd again and finds oh man, he is really not being taken care of well um, but kind of shows his hand a little bit too early by like aggressively locking out Wallace and trying to clean stuff up himself um, and as a result kind of tips off Regal's like, oh okay, I know that you know what I'm doing now and Kind of, and that's going to make Fitz's life harder going forward. Yeah. I thought it was funny that um, when Fitz kind of rushes in and like locks the door and starts opening all the windows and shit, Verity, who's still kind of skill riding him, says, "Fitz, this is rash." Because I think I put in my mm-hmm. notes, Verity, I hate to break it to you, but everything Fitz does in this book it's is rash. rash. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Royal this assassin, aka Fitz. being rash. Except rash for, assassin like, find bonding with night eyes soon enough like he's rash about everything else that he shouldn't be rash about and then he's like well i have to take it so like i can't bond with you like i just have to set you free i mean yeah i can't use a skill i have to put up my skill walls and it's just like no <laughs> use the skill oh yeah there's a note at the start of the ch- this is this has nothing to do with the plot, but there's a note at the start of the chapter where like Fitz is like, man, you know, reading made me sleepy. Um, and 
like me doing my reading at like midnight so i would be able to like have my notes in on time i was like mood (laughs) same fit (laughs) just like same fits yeah at the very start i love how like I love how, like, Molly and Fitz are apparently, like, just the stinkiest little, like, motherfuckers on the planet. Where, like, Bert is like, what's going on? And then F- Fool is like, mm, yeah, you know, I'll have some of what you had, but not from you. <laughs> just, like, everyone's just clowning on him. It's another example of Fitz being like, wow, I'm so subtle and cool. And everyone's like, this is not. We, we, like, yeah. Everyone else is. I, we've been here for two seconds and we know what's going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One it is frustrating. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead first. Oh, I was just going to say it's frustrating how many times we see the fool, like, basically begging Fitz to go check in on Shrewd. And Fitz really doesn't do it until he has a, a reason that, like, he cares about yeah. to go see Shrewd, which is asking Molly to marry him. Like, all of a sudden he's like, well, I need the king's permission, so I guess I'll finally go check on him i don't think that i noticed the fool like asking fitz to go see the king very often like i think it happened once and when he did like once the fool asked him once and then he went with the fool and they like barged in but then i don't remember the fool coming to him and being like you need to see the king you need to see the king and it just keeps getting mentioned like Oh, the fool kept saying this to me, but like right. as he's already barging in. I think there were like a few times. I think there was there's one time like where he went. Three or four times. Yeah, where he went and like they wouldn't let him in, and he was basically just like, "Oh well, they didn't okay. let me in." So I kind of just must have glossed over it. I must have just pulled a Fitz. <laughs> and no, there's definitely like it's just kind of like in his daily tasks. Like cool. Uh, like lump. Took a bath. Uh, went to the stables. Uh, tried to go door. see King Shrewd. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) One thing that's a little bit off track from this, but that this chapter made me think about for some reason was how we discussed in like a previous episode about how like Fitz's skill is kind of just like naturally being open and like just pouring out and B is like saying it's too loud it seems like Fitz's natural state is to just kind of always be open, like with the skill and with the wit. And he has to just like, he has to physically decide to set boundaries and confine himself within his own mind when that's not something that naturally comes to him. Yeah. Or trauma or like the, yeah. Or just trauma sets those boundaries for him yeah. essentially. Yep. Yeah, like, we see how receptive he is, like, to the wit early on, and then also to the skill before Galen. Like, again, if Galen and Birch had, like, if Galen hadn't existed and if Birch had been more amicable to the wit, like, Fitz, you mentioned this earlier early in, like, one of the notes for the early chapter, like, Fitz would have just been, like, one of the strongest people in the kingdom for probably, like, hundreds of years, just because of, like, how not only having both magics, but being, like, so proficient at both of them. And well. them coming just so naturally to him. Mm-hmm. 
But this is another chapter which makes me like want to know more about why the fool is so fiercely loyal to Shrewd. Because like the fool like draws battle lines. He's like, I Verity is your king, Shrewd is mine, like I'm gonna do I'm gonna do what's best for my king, you're gonna do what's best for yours. Now we both agree that Regal sucks, so we can agree on that. Yeah, you and me. But like other than that. So let's not fight about who our yeah. king where our loyalties lie. Mm-hmm. And like I don't think I really noticed this on like the first reads of like how much like how meaningful this change from Fitz being like Shrewd's man to being Verity's man is. And like how like explicit or distinct of a change it is. But yeah. I think I was just like, yeah, you know, he loves Verity. But then like I didn't realize how much of it like it was like the turn away from Shrewd until these rereads. Yeah, it's definitely something. Speaking of Shrewd and all of that, when did Wallace become a healer? Like, he kept calling himself a healer and, like, announcing that he's a healer and being like, I'm the king's healer. But the last time we came in and checked, he was just the king's serving man. So, like, when did he promote himself to healer? Probably right around, right around when Regal's assassins killed whoever the previous king's healer was. <laughs> right. I love the nickname Wallace. I think it's so funny. I know, the fool is amazing. <laughs> I'll so never not don't. use that. Like, it's not Wallace. It's freaking Wallace. No, Wallace. Yep. And it leads to, like, one of my favorite, like, lines from The Fool, where it's like, they, you know, it is not Wall's ass you should be worrying about, but Wall's ears. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just like, ooh, bars. I wonder how long it took Robin Hobb to come up with that stuff, or was that just something she, like, wrote down on a napkin one day and was just waiting until she could figure out a book to use it in. (laughs) Can you imagine if that was the origin story of the entire realm of elements? Like, damn. (laughs) Wallace, Wallace. (laughs) Like, this is kind of fire. (laughs) I feel like everything that comes out of the fool's mouth is just, like, I love all of it, but I know that I would never be able to come up with that on my own. So, like, I don't know how she does it, but... No, me neither. She and the Fool are amazing, and I love them both. Golden. Yeah, I, I, env- I envy how, like, writers who just, like, have characters in their head, and it's just, like, they're there. Because like, that's, that's what the Rob says, like, yeah, they're just, like, there's, like, people in my head, and they just, like, I, I just think, like, what would the Fool do? Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, there. Right. They're fully but you also made him up or made them up. So. And then they kind of like mm-hmm. take on lives of their own. Cause I think she said somewhere that she, she like creates an outline for the story and then she writes the book and she's like, it would be nice if one day I could like actually write the book that I outlined because so many things change because of the characters so that it never ends mm-hmm. up like how she planned it to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like Sims with their free will set to high. Yeah. <laughs> the way Hobb described it, it almost sounds like 
Hob just like got transported to a, to an alternate dimension as a kid, found like Fitz's notes, and was like, "Cool, I'll like this all happened. I can like make a book out of this." Yeah, like it feels. Yeah, it feels. Yeah, it definitely feels like a history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even. Like I, I mentioned, or I noted it down in chapter 13 when Fitz is like trying so hard to not think about Night Eyes and not think about Molly and all that stuff, thinking about it as he's going and just the way that his thoughts flow one from the other, from the other, like it feels so natural because like, I feel like that's how I think is like one thought just kind of flows into the next without realizing it. And that's exactly what he's doing. And that's like... How does she write that? Like, it's amazing. Yeah, definitely. There are a lot of instances in her books where the thought processes or, like, the way a character connects things feels so real. Mm-hmm. It feels, like, so realistic that it's hard. I think that's why these books are so immersive for me and so, like, character-driven for a lot of people because it seems so natural that it's, like, you really feel like these are actual people that you know and care about and love. And then that's what makes it so heartbreaking when it ends too. It feels like real life and the Mm -hmm. things that happen to the characters and the way that like things end. It's like, this is how real life is. You don't get a happy ending all the time. Like people are going to get hurt and all of that. Like, and like the thing like the scars that follow them like Fitz has that scar forever because like that's how real life is like you can't just wish away a, a scar except when they accidentally skip away and then they put it back yeah <laughs> oh yeah i guess one last note before we wrap up is that I've officially started reading the Rain Wilds, and hopefully by the time we're done with Royal Assassin, I'll be done with the series. Um, and that way, every time these guys talk about the Rain Wilds, I won't have to like take my headphones off, and I can actually. I feel like such a hypocrite every because I'm like, if you haven't read the full, I think start every episode. I'm like, if you haven't read the full series, like read that and come back. Meanwhile, I'm over here, like <laughs> pulling the team down by reading, like. <laughs> What have you also by, by like it's reading cool. nine books or, or eleven books? Sorry. Don't you have to finish? Yeah, and see that because there's some yes. things I want to talk about. <laughs> I mean, you can totally again. You can totally talk about Fitz and the Fool because, like, I'm I'm like cool with spoilers for that because I read like two thirds of it. No, you have to experience. The whole thing. <laughs> it's so okay. Okay, it's you have to. It's bad, but it's something that you need to experience. It can't be spoiled. Gotcha. I'm like I'm. I'll, I'm trying to speed it so that there's no like we don't miss out on like stuff to talk about. Like, okay. so yeah. Hopefully by the end of Farseer, I'll be done with both Rainwilds and that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, actually, for realties, thanks for watching. Um, <laughs> next week we'll be covering chapters uh, 15 through 19 of Royal Assassin. But until then, this is going to be Caillou, Alex, and Leia signing off. Leah, sorry, I don't know why I said Leia. <laughs> Princess Leia. <laughs> oh my gosh, the number of times I got that in school. <laughs> <laughs>
right. I, I think that this is like I've been I've been doing too well at pronouncing Realm of the Elderlings, and yeah, like my brain is like, okay, you, you got to mess up something. <laughs> yeah. Today it's gonna be Hair and and Leah. <laughs> those are gonna be like you're just you're just gonna mispronounce those horribly today. I'll basically respond to anything okay. that starts with an L. So. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, see y'all. Yeah, bye.